as the torciadores, aka the cigar rollers, quietly rolled their cigars, and the despaliadoras, aka the strippers, stripped the stems from the tobacco leaves. They were entertained, informed, inspired, and enlightened by literature and the daily news. So began the tradition of El Lector, the reader. This is the El Lector podcast, stories and cigars from the exiled South. We hope you'll enjoy it. Hi, everybody. This is Victor. On this episode of Elector, we are talking mostly about Columbus Day. Um, and we're not going to give you an opinion on, uh, on whether we should have it or not. Uh, we're not trying to, to beat to death anything. But we wanted to have a discussion about Columbus Day and a discussion about history in general. And what sparked this, uh, Marcus and I have had conversations about this for a while now. Uh, but recently, there is a video put up on YouTube that really crystallizes uh, what we think is uh, maybe part of the problem uh, about l- learning our history. And uh, we wanted to listen to this, uh, to some highlights from this video. You can watch it. There's a link in the show description for you to watch this video. It's from a series called Adam Ruins Everything. Uh, you might be familiar with the series already. Uh, and in this episode, he takes Columbus to task. So just listen, and uh, you'll hear us right after. Today, we'll learn about Christopher Columbus, the heroic explorer who discovered America and proved the Earth was round. Actually, Columbus was an incompetent buffoon who never even set foot in America. (laughs) Hush, hush. We all know Columbus wasn't perfect. That's an understatement. The real story of Columbus is even worse and weirder than you think. All aboard the Magic Band! First of all, Columbus couldn't have discovered that the Earth was round because in his time, it was already common knowledge. A globes for sale. A perfectly ordinary globes for sale. Oh. What? <laughs> then why did it take until 1492 for anyone to sail the ocean blue? Simple. Back then, they didn't know the Americas existed. So navigators thought there was no way a ship could make it all the way from Europe to Asia. So Columbus set sail because he was brave. Nope, he set sail because he was a doofus who was terrible at math. Instead of trusting the experts, Columbus believed the Earth was thousands of miles smaller than it actually was. Fools, all of them. My math says the Earth is teeny tiny and shaped like a pear. And at the top, it has a succulent nipple. He actually believed that? Yes. I actually believe this. I can sail from Europe to India in a matter of days. That's extremely wrong. It took years for Columbus to convince the king and queen his plan didn't suck. But competition in the spice trade was getting intense. So Ferdinand and Isabella were desperate to find a new way to get their fix. The earth is tiny and also a pair. Give me money, please. This money's an idiot. I don't care. Fine. Give this more on the bare minimum. 90 dumb men and three dumb sheeps. If you die, who cares? This is the Elector Podcast. Uh, we're back again after a long hiatus because we got our asses blown away by Hurricane Ir- Irma, almost. 
But we made it through. It seems like only the trees. I wore pants during the hurricane. That didn't happen to me. Yeah, Comcast got blown away, apparently. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I still don't have power, uh, yeah. Wi-Fi. You're kidding me. Yeah. No. So screw you, Comcast. We don't need your advertising. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically we are here today. Uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of do a special episode. And um, with us today is, we, we don't have Matt with us. Uh, he wasn't able to be here tonight, but we do have... Uh, the usual uh, cast here, along with uh, one special friend who's already been here before, and we'll start with you, Joe, Dr. Joseph Holbrook, if you'll please introduce yourself and just say hi. Thank you. I'm uh, Joseph Holbrook. I am the Director of Academic Programs at the, the Latin American and Caribbean Center at uh, FIU. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, well, I teach history and religious studies. And this is a, an appropriate evening to have you here because of the topic, I think. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about history tonight. And uh, going around, Mark, you got to grab the mic. We're short. I'm Mark Norman. I studied telecommunications at Ball State University <laughs> many years ago. Well, you know what we should have done? <laughs> and we can go back. You can tell us what you're smoking. I, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. I'm smoking a Camacho Ditka Game Time in honor of... Da Bears, da Bears defeat of the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday. So excellent. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> good. Okay, Joe, why don't you tell us what you're smoking? Uh, I'm kind of went over. smoking a wonderful Flor Dominicana given to me by our host. Yes. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. This is yeah. We're kind of. Are you smoking? Today? I'm smoking the same. Okay. Yeah. So we're all smoking the La Flor Dominicana Double Ligero. I went out and bought a box because they're amazing, and I figured you know it's good to share with friends. This is a chisel, by the way. That's a bit of Spanglish there, isn't it? It's not doble ligero. It's no, double ligero. Double ligero. Yeah, that's true. And actually uh, appropriate for tonight uh, because of the subject matter and uh, the colonization of, uh, what, what was it, Santo Domingo, right? Mm -hmm. Or what was it called? Española, actually. Española, yeah. And uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but go ahead, Victor. Why don't you introduce yourself, too? My name is Victor Labrada. Um, I hold also hold a communications degree from the University of Miami, um, and also an MDiv from Covenant Seminary. My oh. views do not reflect the views of Covenant Seminary, <laughs> nor any of their subsidiaries. <laughs> All right, great. And I'm Marcos Ruiz, and we won't talk about my education, <laughs> uh, or lack thereof. <clears throat> anyway, so we're here tonight uh, enjoying these great cigars, and we, we we're really glad you're here tonight. Uh, Joe, you're a friend, you're a good friend, and we've had you on before, and, um, and uh, we, what we're doing tonight is something that Victor and I had discussed uh, over years, actually, right, Victor? We've talked about this quite a bit. Christopher Columbus and it, Columbus Day. Yeah, typically around this time of year for some reason, early October. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Th this, this subject comes up over and over. And it's about this time of the year where Columbus Day comes up. Nobody's thinking about it, <laughs> right? Nobody at all. And then suddenly... Some meme pops up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and basically it's like uh, just saying, you know, Columbus was either evil, com comparable to Hitler in some ways, um, and, and they begin to list all the evils. Like, what, mm -hmm. else, what else is kind of listed during this time? Well, I, I mean, people typically will point out um, the genocide mm -hmm. of uh, the Dino Indians. Right. Um, and... The uh, his of raping of the women and riding of the horses and mm -hmm. basically being um, the baddest dude, the pruning baddest conquistador, the, the pruning of the hedges, yes, um, and doing many things that if 
if anybody were doing it today, uh, we'd call them a terrorist. Right. Um, but somehow, because he did it 500 years ago, it's not that. Mm. So many memes and, and many articles will point out that and a kind of shame that should be had. Yeah. So recently, uh, a, a very popular uh, YouTube personality, and I believe he's on network television now too, right? Or, or he, cable. Yes. Anyway. Um, Adam, uh, I forgot his last name. Anyway, not important because you, you know who he is. He's Adam ruins everything, right? He recently came out with a video that's called Christopher Columbus was a moron, correct? Yeah, and we're, we have a link to this in the show notes. You can click yeah. on that and, and what did he watch call the video it actually? if you want. His name is Adam Conover is his last name. Adam Conover, yes. Yeah. Yes, and then, and then uh, his, the, his episode was called... Uh, the title of that episode on YouTube is called Christopher Columbus was a murderous moron. Murderous moron. There we go. Those are the worst kinds of morons. Yes. Yes. The smart ones. They're dangerous. And I don't think <laughs> I, I got a hand. I got a hand it to to Adam uh, that it was the first time I've heard anybody say that referred to Columbus as a moron. At least me personally. I've heard of him as a murderer, you know, and, and, and all that stuff, but never uh, a uh, a moron. Now, this conversation between Victor and I started years ago. <laughs> Over uh, every Columbus Day, right? Mm-hmm. Where I and I and I'm going to do a little bit of confession here. See, my my thing is so I'm a I'm a Cuban American kid, and I never saw Columbus as a hero. You, you know, as a child, I never saw him as a hero. I I always took the the uh, on in 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Not as a worship song or praise song to Columbus, but more like a way to remember the year in which he, you know, found did made his discovery, right? So it w- it was always strange to me because I, I I didn't understand what all the 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 anger was and the rage. And then I, I I'm kind of thankful for a lot of the uh, for the internet uh, in that sense because in in many ways I've come to learn another side of the story and I've I've heard stories from uh, or. The feelings of Native Americans, for example, who have who hold, who hold very strong opinions and, and are offended that there's a day named after him, and I I'm, I'm I'm thankful for all for the information that I've seen, but a lot of it has just been, I think, I'm, as a student of history, uh, even though I'm a, a Malay student of history, I just feel that a lot of the information that's out there is lacks any foundational truth. What do you think, Victor? Uh, it's a bit of a stretch saying it lacks any foundational truth. Uh, it's definitely based on uh, journal entries, a lot of the accusations against Columbus. And I think they're really, they're in some part, uh, not just part of the wave of political correctness that has been going on for about 50 years, but also um, a kind of retaliation towards the, and there's this word again, hagiography of Columbus. Uh, that we've had, that we might have inherited. I remember as uh, a fourth grader going to see and walk upon the life-size replicas of the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria uh, in Biscayne Bay Mm. when they brought them here. It was part of some tour. Um, They probably had a a dozen or so replicas, whatever. Mm. Um, But in sitting upon the ships and hearing the story, and at that point there were a couple movies about Columbus that I'm sure one of them won an Oscar. Um, 
and filed it away next to, you know, John Smith and Pocahontas and kind of these figures of early American history. Um, and then I remember reading uh, quite a few years ago now, but reading uh, Howard Zinn's uh, People's History of the United States, where he kind of, he, he, he didn't really introduce the idea of revisionist history, but he brought to light a lot of these stories you've been told as a kid, but they're all wrong. Right. And I did some research on my own and found that, well, he doesn't have all his sources straight, but at the same time, he's cluing in on something that might not have been hidden from us on purpose, but rather wasn't part of the initial history. So when I see something like Adam ruins everything and, and they do their episode, um, a lot of it does seem like, uh, like bluster, mm. but some of it is, well, this actually did happen. Um, my problem with it is, well, it happened, but what do we say about it? What are you supposed to think about that? Right. And uh, Adam simplifies the whole thing for us by just saying, what you're supposed to think about it is that this guy is a murderous moron. Mm -hmm. um, just dismiss him. And if you do an, enough in-depth analysis, dismiss every other person that existed at the time. Right. Because um, they would have done it too. Based on the interpretation I'm giving you on YouTube through my cartoonish video. Yes. Yes. Okay. Which, yeah. Yeah. Joe, any thoughts? Yeah, I tell my history students that uh, I, I came up with a theory of history called the Clint Eastwood theory of history, which is that every historical actor, every empire, every religion, every nation has good, bad, and ugly. And the, the partisan temptation is to take only the good or only the ugly or the bad. And this is unfortunately happening with Columbus. Uh, people want to make him all good or all bad. And it, the fact is uh, he's a complex historical figure with all of those yeah. uh, brilliant navigator a poor administrator and uh you in order to understand christopher columbus in his context you have to take the whole thing right okay i'm glad victor brought up the the zin book and i actually wondered joe if that's something that you uh maybe not teach from but talk about in any of your classes or anything because i i was given that book in ap u.s history full disclosure jane hall gavitt high school hammond indiana she made photocopies of the book so I don't know what the statute of limitations <laughs> is on that, but she definitely just photocopied the chapter for all of us. But that was like the first reading for the school year, I want to say, was chapter one of Zinn's book, People's History of the United States. Mm. And I remember being scandalized by it. And so <clears throat> in prepping for today's show, you know, I'm, I'm watching that Adam Ruins Everything video and, and reading all these articles on New York Times and other sites. And I'm just thinking about that Zinn chapter and how visceral it was like it's, it's almost sensational and um I, I don't have a you know conclusion i just that's definitely part of my read on columbus now after having read that book at a formative age the opening chapter of of that book <clears throat> which is a really popular level book at this point and, and like i said there's parts of it that i was reading and said this cannot be true and i looked it up and it wasn't true um or, or rather his interpretation of it was a bit misleading or hiding other um, yeah. possible interpretations. But the very first chapter is about Columbus. Yeah. And, uh, and he's, cause it's, part of it, I think, is he's incredibly easy to pick on. And also, it's the beginning of America, so to speak, even though Columbus never landed on what is now the United States. Mm -hmm. um, and sets up for the rest of the book his premise, which, um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to get in debate with a pros in person here, but or uh, if you're writing in, whatever. 
Um, his premise is more or less what you were taught, you young American were taught in history class is wrong. It is the, uh, it might actually be the opposite of what is true. Right. And you, you've been fed this um, basically propaganda Mm-hmm. To keep you um, nice and comported and, you know, just do your job. Don't think about these big questions. Ignore your history. And he tries to reveal a lot of things in our history that are, are kind of ugly. Um, but like Joe said, kind of reduces all of it to ugly. Yeah. Um, and that there's really, uh, and I remember feeling a great shame after reading that book. Um, yeah. uh, uh, having this be part of my history. Yeah. Um, so that's there's that a there's a quote from G.K. Chesterton says no good hi- no good modern historians are impartial all modern historians are divided into two classes those who tell half the truth and those who tell none of the truth the angry historians see one side of the question the claim historians the calm historians see nothing at all not even the question itself. And I, I read that because I think it's interesting in, in hearing what you're saying about um, uh, just how uh, the, the emotions that that book brought out in a generation. I never read that book. I, I'm not sure. When did it come out? That must have been. It came out actually at early 80s. Early 80s. It didn't okay. get popular. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hear about it till mid-2000s okay. or so. Yeah. See, I never, I never heard of that book. I never read it until I, I read a meme on, on Facebook and, or somewhere and just was you know, flabbergasted because I was like, where is this coming from? And, um, and I, I, think, I think what happens is uh, we look at Adam on, uh, on that episode and he, you mentioned um, about how Columbus never discovered America. Mm-hmm. And Adam says that on, on, on the show. Well, he didn't actually really discover America. And it's, I think it's very um, presumptuous of him and he's very American, Adam. He's he's extremely uh, seems he's very he's very white American in in that video because he's assuming that the discovery of America when what because I never saw it as I, when I was a kid discovery of America was the whole shebang, the whole the, both continents the uh, mm-hmm. the yeah. uh, and the uh, and the islands of the Caribbean that's the that's um, that's the Americas, to assume and to say well he never really actually discovered America in his snide little tone. Is kind of uh, it's that's that's very uh, arrogant in well, my opinion. I think there's two completely different ways of looking at it uh, that we might be stumbling upon here. You sense almost like the symbolic discovery of America, or the symbol of America, or just discovering the new world, mm-hmm. or that idea that there's that God has hidden from us an entire other Earth, yeah. and it's across this ocean. And Adam is going at it from almost a scientific perspective. Well, like the kind of like well, technically. Or actually, or there, you know, there already were all these Indians there. The, mm-hmm. the native peoples were already there. They didn't discover anything. It's like, well, yes, but we're not. We don't have to explain every time we say the word "discover" what we mean. It's like this was when the world, as our, our history has it, discovered another world. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if, if if the the Native Americans had compiled a history, um, in their history, they would have wrote this was the moment that you know. With the European invasion, or that we were discovered by the Europeans, or we discovered that there's other life out there. It was uh, the first time that the European culture and the Native American culture t- 
touched each other in a in a in a in a, in a substantial way. Sorry. Yes, for some of the soldiers, <laughs> touched a little too closely. <laughs> yeah, a little too closely. And 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 again, we can and we can talk about that realistically, and we can look at the 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 actual I will call it genocide that happened as a result. Nobody's going to contest that. But the 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 question is, what are we doing? And I guess this goes back to you, Joe. I mean, what 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 does this do? What is this kind of um, uh, misappropriation of history, and or or um, or looking at history through a a cracked lens, right? What does that do to the study of history, and what does that do to us as a to your students, for example? I mean, you know, you're you're a teacher, you're you're dealing with young minds every day. I mean, what does that do to your students if watch getting all their information from a meme or a YouTube video like that? Uh, yeah, well, I think that part of the appeal of that particular YouTube video is is the uh, contempt and the irony that's sarcasm and irony, and, and that's not good history. Right. Um, the, going back to the word genocide, uh, the, there's a the UN has a very specific uh, definition of genocide, so it can be it can easily be debated whether it was a genocide. Certainly, there was an atrocity. Mm -hmm. There was it's being called a holocaust. But there, that's a debatable point. Can it be a genocide if there's not a state, an intention, of, a deliberate intention by a state to eliminate a people? And of course, the uh, Spaniards wanted to put the Indians to work, the Native Americans, in order to profit from them, right. the encomienda. And uh, the, if you read Bartolome de las Casas, there are horrible, horrible stories about brutality and atrocities and uh it's, it probably was the most horrible book i've ever read mm. worse than any horror movie i've mm. ever seen uh however to imply that it's a genocide requires some kind of state intention and they were mostly freewheeling mercenaries that were involved in that process under columbus and those that followed they weren't trained military regulars uh to answer your question i think it does a disservice to history to oversimplify it from a partisan bias, yeah. and what you have uh, in my analogy of the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, the people who think that uh, the European discovery is good use the word discovery. The people who think it's horrible and evil use the word invasion or conquest. Mm. I like the word encounter, yeah. and I think encounter is an accurate word, and it, it's it doesn't oversimplify it. And encounters have been happening all through history with the Mongols and the Huns and the Vikings. And uh, that's not to excuse anything. Uh, no. As many as 90 million Native Americans may have died over a period of 100 years. But then again, in the Black Death in Europe, one out of every two Europeans died in some parts of Europe mm. uh, out of 40 million people. So yeah. you have to place it in the historical context to do history justice. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, and I think context is a big part of the, the, the conversation here. Um, it, we look at someone like, uh, for example, Adam again, and we see what he's, what he's doing there. You, there's, there's definitely a, there's some, there's some underlying motivation there. And I, I, I like that you mentioned the cynicism, you know, and I think, that's, I think that cynicism is, is, is crippling for us as a culture, you know, it's just, I mean, and I'm, and I'm cynical, I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm from, I'm from, I'm generation X and we're, we're a very cynical generation, but to see that kind of thing playing to people's emotions as opposed to ju just telling a story, you know, and, and, 
And the thing about Columbus is you can look at his story and you can walk away s with questions. Like, for example, I, I shared with Victor earlier, I, I, I not knowing the perspective or not being sensitive to the perspective of what actually <laughs> happened in history, I was, my thing was like, well, why are we going to change Columbus Day? You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. But then I realized, well, it means something to some people, to a lot of people. And, and uh, that word hits them culturally and it hits them as, as uh, you know, wherever it is that they, they are as far as their nationality, right? If we look at Native Americans. Well, let me just jump in and say that undoubtedly the Spaniards were guilty of tremendous injustices. Uh, and some of that comes under Columbus's responsibility. Um, but um, to completely dismiss the encounter simply as injustice only, I think, does it a disservice. Yeah. And so uh, um, I don't know that we should keep Columbus Day or change it. I'm, yeah. You know, but I think it's a discussion worth having mm -hmm. if it leads us to look into the actual history more concretely yeah. as opposed to just wanting to get rid of history. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I think that was my point. It was, it's, it's, there's got to be a there's got to be a, a a place where we can look at at history based on let it speak for itself uh, primary source documents right yeah and and in the case of Columbus what happened with uh, our conversation Victor and I's conversation uh, on uh, Columbus Day is I uh, prompted me to actually I said I'm gonna go read about him and I and I found a book that uh, that basically cites his journals. Quite heavily, and it's not a and it's not a book defending uh, Columbus, but it but it does show in the end what happened, the the atrocities that happened as a result of this encounter, as you as you said, and also the um, and and also the the fact that at the same time he was a brilliant navigator. I mean, the things that he did were were just when you when you look at that, you're you're saying this guy he was such a sad person of history because he ended up his life you know believing he had discovered asia <laughs> right another route to asia and 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 having a series of misfortunes along the way but the way he handled a lot of them was some of them was pretty brilliant i i wanted to say that i'm all for um i, I agree that i'm not sure whether we should keep columbus day or abolish it or change it or you know bartolomeo de, la, de las casas as uh, the guy from the oatmeal says but I'm all for these types of instances where a lot of attention is paid to something. Yeah. I really, really like that it causes us to want to learn about that thing. And so I think, you know, not to broaden the scope of our conversation tonight, but I've been spending a lot of time thinking about my opinion of the flag of our country and thinking about um, monuments. monuments to Civil War, you know, participants and it's it's been a really interesting time and I, and I just want to say that if I could encourage in any way it's it's seek out a book and then seek out a book from someone who has an, a differing opinion so maybe read read a, a book that you know is very pro Columbus then read maybe read that Zinn chapter and um, by the way we all heard about him because Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were big fans and they quote him in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, it's really? the oh. book that they give to they in the movie they give to 
Robin Williams. I was looking that up while you guys were being huh. smart. See, I'm a little older than you guys, so Zinn wasn't around yet when I was in high school. Yeah. I would have only picked him up in my PhD studies. Yeah. But but I'm I just wanna like that's my encouragement, is like don't read one source. Like don't read the alt right about or only the alt right about Confederate statues. Read the alt right and vox.com or bustle.com or whatever, all these, yeah. you know, very left blogs. And similarly with Columbus Day, well, I, I appreciated learning some of the stuff that Adam Ruins Everything posted about. I, like, I had not heard some of those things before. But I'm also glad that I was able to find other articles that seemed to flesh them out in a little more even-handed way. And see, and, and I, I didn't appreciate Adam's uh, thing at all. <laughs> I had I, no appreciation for I, it. Very rarely do I disagree with Barnes Norman, but I'm about to. Because um, y- you gave, as an option, reading basically two different polls and then trying to triangulate the truth in the middle. And I think if you're going to those sources that seem to be, um, and I'm not trying to um, say that if somebody's being emotional, you can't trust them, but you're going to like very emotional polls. And very distorted also. Yes, it gets really distorted. It's kind of like the edge of a, you know, a mirror or the the edge of a magnifying glass is pretty distorted there. You're going to see something, but it's going to be out of whack. Um, And it doesn't, doesn't fix it by seeing the other distorted image. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's criticism I'll accept. I think that, uh, that's wise. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, well, how do you figure out who the middle is? Everybody wants to say that they're the actual middle truth or whatever. Uh, I think in a situation like this, it's since it's old enough history, um, you can find people who just, like Marcus, you said, wrote a book and, like, here's some things he said. Yeah. Decide for yourself. Here's some context you should know. There's some context that's completely lost to us that we'll never really know. Um, we'll never know if he had a lisp or a funny accent or if he had... You know, inferiority complex about something that we'll, we'll never hear about. Um, the guy, he was as complex as, as anybody is. Um, and it, while we're recommending all of these uh, good endeavors, I'm thinking, like, hey, I have about four minutes to solidify <laughs> my uh, opinion of who Columbus was and is and should we keep Columbus there or not. Uh, something I think about once a year. I'm speaking as the average yeah. person okay. on the internet right Let now. Let me flesh out a little bit more and say, don't just watch the Adam Ruins Everything or read the Oatmeal mm. webcomic about, yeah. and don't let your opinion of Columbus or of Tesla or who, whoever be informed by one source that's that's so emotionally or skewed. M- maybe look for the most boring guy. Yes, <laughs> yes. To talk about. Read about the guy who's hedging and doesn't want to overstate something who speaks in the passive tense or something because he doesn't yeah. want to be you know found out well, to be wrong it, later it's the the irony irony contempt that's like the sugar and salt of of media really um man you have somebody going up there the content is irrelevant you watch any even like sports shows it's just two guys taking the opposite opinion on something that neither of them actually care about mm-hmm. but the show is them taking the opposite opinion mm-hmm and then just going, accusing the other one of being like, how can you lost your mind? How can you, you think that? You cannot be more off you base cannot with that. Be I can't believe base. you. <laughs> no, Nike should be making those uniforms. Like, this yeah. stuff is pointless. But it's irony, um, the, the, the kind of this being witty. Um, yeah. Oh, that God. kind of, that, that is, uh, you know, Neil Postman predicted it in um, Amusing Ourselves to Death. People are going to be turning to that. Give me the wittiest, shortest, briefest response. And then another part of it, um, is that that idea, that cynicism is actually that's also a, a spice in all this. If if you do a Google search or an Amazon search on just the word reveal or hidden in book titles, they're all that. Mm-hmm. It's all revealing this or the hidden the five hidden things or the yeah, things you didn't know. 
like kind of promoting this idea that uh, almost like a Gnostic thing, like there's hidden knowledge that you didn't know and we're about to reveal it to you. So now you're going to be in the know. You're yeah. going to know the secrets. Um, and, it, and a lot of it is, is really just, it's fluff. It's, it's put there as kind of the, the BuzzFeed clickbait. But then when it creeps into more, I guess, legitimate means of uh, history or legitimate means of education, it's hard to separate out the, that just the clickbait element of it. So I, I'd say, I guess you have to like avoid things that are fun to read, I guess, or avoid yeah. avoid things that seem to be really wanting to get you roped in with some kind of clown of some mm-hmm. sort. Avoid the red meat since you're on a diet. Yes. <laughs> avoid st- stick, stick to the lean meats. Eat your fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to your media consumption. So I'm looking at the uh, this book that has that does not have the word hidden or revealed. In it, okay, good. It's called. It's the one that. It's one. You know. Again, I read a. I read a book on Columbus, but I want to recommend it. Uh, it's called Columbus: The Four Voyages by Lawrence Burgreen. Very simple title because it's a simple book, and it, and he just basically lays out the four voyages and Columbus's journals throughout the those uh, that those four voyages. But there's a there's another th- another thing I want to talk to you to you about Joe tonight. It's I I, I found this. I, I read an article. Uh, on a well-known historian, not to me, but well-known apparently, very respected. His name is Bernard Balin. Mm-hmm. You familiar he's with him? A, he's a big name in the Atlantic uh, history field, right? which tries to put history in the context of Europe, West Africa, North and South America, mm. and the triangle trade, which right. included, of course, the slave trade. So one of the things that he said, I uh, got this quote from an article uh, in the Weekly Standard, he said, he basically he's he's known as a, as as someone who appreciates looking at history contextually, and he does not like to uh, in, 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 uh, impose an opinion on as my, and I think it's hard to be impartial uh, as a human being anyway. But you know he tries he tries to be as impartial as he can. Apparently, from what I've read about him. And he said this, he said that the problem that he faces, Joe, is that when, to explain something contextual, contextually is implicitly at least seen as if you're trying to excuse it. Mm. And he says, and it goes further, the article says, placing what we, what we today clearly see as the evils of the past in historical context th- seems to justify them. What do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> I think... I think there's some truth in that, and especially in the in a day and age where we had the victimization mentality mm-hmm. and identity politics and political correctness. Uh, to be a good historian, you have to look at Christopher Columbus as a man in the transition from the medieval into the early modern period, as a Spaniard, well, not as a Spaniard, but representing Spain. Yeah. Uh, eight hundred years. Even Spanish. <laughs> That's another one of his. Eight hundred years Calm of uh, continual warfare with the Moors to reconquer mm. Spain, yeah. and then that goes right in within months into arrival in the New World, and you've got a whole political, a uh, whole subculture, or uh, political culture formed of a war, warrior mentality, even within the church, and mm. you have to look at all that context to understand why people ch- made the choices they did. Right. But that's not popular uh, in current in our current environment. We want to go back and uh, 
kind of impose our current uh, liberal enlightened values on another uh, time period. Right. So it makes it difficult. Yeah. And Dan, Columbus didn't, like, when he was alive, he wasn't thinking, ah, I'm bridging the gap between medieval and, you know, early modern period. You don't, no. you don't know your place in history. Uh, yeah. it's, it's up to some historian 100 years from now to tell you how dumb you are. Let, uh, me, let me just give one example. I, I saw a book, and I, I've been trying to look it up on my phone. I'm, I'm no good with smartphones. Uh, but I was trying to look it up. It was a book on American history that was written by a couple of Christian authors in the 1980s that basically presented the idea that America is a Christian nation. I'm saying America because that's what they said. Yeah. I would say United States. But that we were a Christian nation, a city set on the hill with a divine manifest destiny and purpose. And what they did in the first chapter with Columbus is they lifted out of his journal all the stuff he said about God and about Christ. Really? But uh, at, without any context of the actual damage or atrocities or horrors that happened, not perpetuated by him directly, but by people he brought. Uh, but they present a very clear idea that he was a born-again Christian. Mm -hmm. This was among evangelicals <laughs> who were homeschooling their kids. Yeah. And was, you know, was he a Christian? Yes. He was a Spanish medieval Christian. Was he a Christian the way we think of a Christian? That's a big question for discussion. And so they went back and kind of uh, superimposed this glorified view of Columbus as a born-again Christian coming to bring Jesus to the new world. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's problematic. That's not history. No. No. That's the good, of the bad and the ugly. <laughs> right, right. So it's, uh, it's one mm. side or the other. We, that's what you were talking about based on Mark's... Uh, uh, the the mirror the mirror analogy right yeah. but, you're, but our concept of a born again frame. Christian didn't exist then right right there were no uh, I mean uh, the Reformation was just beginning a few years later and so, the Pietism didn't even exist so we were we were talking about the uh, the video uh, Adam ruins everything uh, one of the things that he says in the video is well you know Columbus believed that the world was shaped like a pear even though most scholars at the time were were on the same page that it was the the, the the earth was round and the if you if you read Columbus's journals you find that that he 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 came to that conclusion because he had come upon something that no European eyes had seen or had not been recorded anyway until that time he came upon what was a veritable paradise in the Cari in the Caribbean which was uh, the, the the Bahamas or in the Atlantic the Bahamas chain of, of islands and uh, the uh, the Windward Islands as well I believe or, or the northern Windward Islands and and he he saw this magnificent place that no European had seen before then he goes to he, he at some point gets to Venezuela right to the Orinoco mm -hmm. River where it's it's pouring fresh water out into the ocean, and he's thinking this must be paradise, the paradise of of, of the of the Bible, you know. So as a Christian, as a Catholic, adhering to Catholicism, he he's trying to put words and trying to figure out what how is this place what it is, and he assumes that it's it's it must be at a higher elevation, mm -hmm. almost like a mountain. So that's where he came up with the pear idea, and and we as we discussed earlier. There probably was were two reasons why he thought this. Number one, he needed to pre he needed to uh, give a, an explanation to his benefactors, right, who were who were funding his voyages, right, and allowing him to come back. 
And that was probably the that was probably if I look at myself, I'd have to say I'd have to look at him honestly and say, yeah, he that was probably his main drive to to come up with these stories or to try to dis- these ways of describing what he found. These exotic birds, these exotic fruits, all of these these exotic people and places. But also, how do you if you're coming from a from a from a, a, a in a culture and in a time in history where everybody was looking at the mystery of things you know there was a, there was this mysticism yeah, right the world was enchanted back then yeah the world was enchanted so he 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 came back and he said this is he was bl- he must have been blown away so to have some cynical you know um canadian or american wherever he's <laughs> from this guy adam come in and just snidely produce this little video it's it's kind of it's kind of sophomoric in my opinion and but it's 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 scary to think that when I looked at it last night on YouTube 1.5 million people had seen it and you have to assume that at least 1 million of those had shared it <laughs> and people are just looking at this and saying yeah this is oh yeah see he was a he committed genocide and he was a moron it's like what are you talking well, about I mean there that there's countless other examples and famous movies that uh they might not claim to be historical. I mean, I'm thinking right now of Django Unchained, um, the Quentin Tarantino movie, which has in it some representations of uh, the antebellum South and slavery that you could say, like, oh, yeah, that definitely happened. And other things which probably did not happen. Um, and Quentin Tarantino never says this is a historically accurate movie. Um, but rather, you know, this is just his... It's an emotionally accurate movie. That this is how... You know, if you're not terrified by the regular stuff, you should be. So I'll show you some stuff that's not regular. They should be terrified by. And because th- the goal of even relating that story, I, I think, um, mm. and I, I don't know Quentin Tarantino's mind, maybe it's just to make money and do blood effects or something. But the goal is to not just teach this inert piece of history, but rather a lesson. Right. Now go and don't do that. And I think with Columbus... There's in, in there somewhere. There's a lesson on how it's bad to be a zealot. You know, if, you, mm-hmm. if somebody really plays up the Christian aspect of it, it's like, well, that's what zealots do, don't they? Or it's or using using religion to further your own glory, which is what I think that was. I, I I can look at Columbus and I can say, look, I think this is a guy who believed in God. But as Joe said earlier, everybody believed. Every there was no atheist back then. Yeah. And well, and I but I think he was using well, Baruch, it for his own glory. I said that, but Baruch Spinoza was close to an atheist back then, but there were very few. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, Joe, because I'm very curious about this. What would you say, or what do you tell your class? What is the point of teaching history? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't want to get philosophical, but for my students, the point of teaching history is to learn from it and try not to repeat it. Mm. So the example I always use is the in the U.S. history, there's a, like a 20-year, 15-year repeating pattern of recessions and depressions. So I basically say if you know U.S. history, you know you need to start saving some money, have a nest egg, and be prepared for the next. Because 2008 happened, and it, the next one is not that far away. Yeah. So that's a very practical example of something that you can learn from history. Um, do we learn from history? You know, another uh, funny person said, uh, "Those who do not learn history are, con- uh, condemned, are to condemned to repeat it, and those who do are condemned to watch everybody else repeat it." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I think it's to learn from history. 
like you mentioned the genocide mm-hmm. genocide studies or a course on genocide is absolutely important because yeah. there are certain signs that you can spot mm. that show that you're moving into the danger territory of dehumanizing people or forcing them to wear markers and the w- only way to stop genocide is to study history and to know when to spot those signs mm-hmm. and there's so, a few of them around right now by the way yeah yeah hmm. so if we look at uh foundational not foundational truth but more you know foundational facts right so what we can go to what was prime again primary sources that we can go to uh, from history, rather than looking at someone's opinion on it, on it, let's let's you know te- teach our students, right, or teach our children. In my case, to to look at things differently, to not not be sucked in by things like uh, you know four minute videos on on, Absolutely. on history, which is basically based on someone's opinion because they're trying to. We need to interview Adam Conover on this show. I just want to see you and him head to head. And also to teach people to think critically because you're not going to find many people who want to just sit down and read primary sources. I, I read no. uh, Bartolome de las Casas' book is a fascinating read and there's a few others like it. But for the most part, most people are not going to read primary sources but if they read good historians who use primary mm-hmm. sources and then you, you you're trained to think critically to look at the the uh, historian's argument and what are his sources and what is his thesis uh, that can help you look behind uh, what he's trying to say but isn't that part of the reason why filmmakers some filmmakers or you know guys like like in that episode of uh, Adam ruins everything aren't aren't they kind of banking on that? That they're counting on the fact no one's going to look into this. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. They're trying to go viral. Yeah, yeah. It's just we, we're going to we can say any sensational thing and people are just going to nod their heads and. Well, the, yeah. yeah, they they lose nothing. They. But at the risk of sounding political, I maybe don't want to go there. But you know we have that in our current government, and I'm not pointing at uh, individuals, but our cur- in our current government, we the the tendency is to want to sound controversial. Yeah, in our news sources. Yes, to mm. create controversy, to get the sound bite. advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things that I'm taking away from this conversation is just that you know this isn't new information, but be aware of the the slant to what you're watching or or how you're taking in that news. Yeah. And so, like, there's a show I enjoy watching. Um, last week tonight with John Oliver. It's very funny. It's very well produced. And he talks about things that, like, it's long-form kind of news. So, like, last... I haven't seen it, but um, yesterday's episode, he does 15 minutes about kind of big corporation mergers. Mm. And I think that's interesting, but I'm also pretty aware of where he sits politically and who he hates and who he, you know, espouses and everything. And so, while I'm interested in that, I also don't think that it's how I think we should write economic policy. Right. I think that it's a, a voice worth hearing. And, and you know, it's... Yeah, exactly. A check, right? Like exactly. A, it's accountability I, almost. I also think it's interesting with Adam Ruins Everything, what we've been talking about mostly. I think that's kind of, though, a response to the default position of what is taught or what maybe I was taught. Like, I think I'm about that guy's age. Victor, you know, we're about the same age. And... Um, it it was just kind of oh this is Columbus we celebrate that he discovered America that like you know every, everything I knew up until that that AP US history class where we read the the Zin book was basically just the default de facto set of information of 
1492 sailed the ocean blue you know i remember that uh franz ferdinand paid for the boat and sent him over and that was was (laughs) a joke (laughs) i got it i got it (laughs) but yeah no it's it's like you you understand just the, the like bullet points but they're very basic and it's it's meant to just be like this is why we celebrate the man and so i think adam conover is saying well wait there's more to it but i think we're all reacting pretty strongly to how far over he goes and how kind of unnecessarily so it yeah, seems yeah yeah so i got one more quote and we can uh wrap it up with this i think the uh this is from well i'll say the quote and i'll tell you who it's from this person says this about activist historians he says their vision of the past turns them towards the future they hope that justice will yet come and happiness is behind the mountain they are climbing they do not know how unhistorical their thought and actions are in spite of all their history. That would be Friedrich Nietzsche. And I think we can take something from that and what we can learn from that is we're, we, we need to look at our history. I think history is extremely important. I agree with Joe. Because so that we can learn from the mistakes of the people who came before us and not repeat them. And that is why I think we should keep Columbus Day. <laughs> I'm well, joking. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's not only not to repeat the mistakes, but to, in some weird way, be inspired by the good that's in there somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, explore, discover. And look to avoid the ugly. Yes. Yes. All avoid right, gentlemen. The ugly. Thank you so much for, for tonight. It's been fun. Pre show prep and everything. And up until now, thank you so much, Joe, for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. It. Thank you for it's the an invitation. Honor to have you here. And thanks, guys, for being here with us.